of the 20,000 inhabitants of Pompeii, there are some 2,000 people lost their lives at this famous volcano. Among the 2,000 people who died, there was a woman who obviously loved her jury more than anything else in the world. Let me tell you about her. As the deadly rain of fire came down, she decided that she's going to escape by going into the sea and escape the city by boat, which is a very wise plan. But this rich and beautiful woman stayed behind just a little too long, long enough to collect her much-loved collection of jewelry. And she wanted to take as much as she could carry, snatching her rings and in a haste tried to thrust them in her fingers and There was no time to hunt for a box or for a bag in which she could cram as many of these precious stones as possible. So finally, she picked up as many as she could in her own hands and clasped on them. And and she rushed into the streets clutching the pearls and and the diamonds and and the rubies and the sapphires and the gold and, and the earrings. That value of that jewelry but in today's Dollars, it'd be worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But she delayed too long, and the poisonous fumes overcame her as she ran out with all the trinkets in her hands. And she stumbled and fell and died, clutching the things that she prized so much under the ashes of Pompeii. How do I know that? Recently, there has been an archaeological excavation, and they found her. She's still lovely, and in her hands were still, were laden by her jury. In Mark chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ asks a question, and only he, the only one who could ask such a question, He said, what shall profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Only Jesus could ask such a question. Why? Because he alone knows the value of the whole earth. He alone knows where every diamond mine is located. He alone knows where is the last nugget of gold is to be found. He alone knows where all the tons of silver that were created back in Genesis. He alone knows the value of all the ruby and the sapphire in the whole world. He alone knows where the last drop of oil is to be found. He alone knows where the last lost treasure is to be found. And that is why he alone could stack up all of the earth's treasures All of the earth is precious stones on one side of the scale. And then he places the soul of man on one end of the scale. And then he says, The person who trades his soul and the salvation of his soul for all the wealth of the world is a prince of fools. What shall profit a man, asks the Lord Jesus. Because he alone could... Ask such a question. Preachers and prophets and evangelists can only repeat the questions. They cannot and they're not qualified to ask the question. Because Christ alone knows the value of the soul. 
He alone knows that it's the value of your soul that drove him to weep in Gethsemane. He knows that it's the value of your soul that made the Prince of Glory leave heaven and be beaten and spat upon and slapped on his face. He alone knows that the value of your soul allowed him to be crucified on a crude Roman cross with spikes in the hands and feet. The value of your soul compelled God the Son to go to Calvary and die in your place and in mine. And that is why the two parables of today in Matthew 13, 44 and 45 have to do with that all most important question in life. It has to do with choosing to be at the very center of the will of God. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Matthew 13, 44 and 45, 46. Here's what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in the field, which a man found and then he hid, and out of joy he goes out and sells all that he has and comes back and buys the field. Again, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding the one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and purchased this one and only pearl. Look at the first parable. Jesus, what he was telling his disciples, it was a very common occurrence. They were understanding exactly what he's talking about. Today we may have difficulty understanding this. Under comprehending somebody hiding a box and a treasure somewhere in the ground. Back then they didn't have banks. Back then they didn't have bank vaults. They didn't have a box in the bank, safety deposit box. So what did they do? They hid their treasures. They hid their valuables in a box somewhere in the backyard. As a matter of fact, in the Middle East, they still do that. There's a character in the Middle East who's akin to Charlie Brown in the cartoon. Uh, here, equivalent to Charlie Brown in the Middle East. And the story goes, um, some Eastern experts tell the story of how this man who's named Goha went uh, one day and he hid his treasure box in the middle of the field. And then he left it and came back a few days later and started to search for it and he couldn't find it. And he looked for it and he looked for it and he looked for it and we couldn't find it. Finally, he notified the authorities. And the authorities came, helped him to find the treasure box that he buried. And they kept looking. And finally, said, sir, have you made a mark of any kind? He said, yes. There was a cloud right above where I hid my box. <laughs> well, today, still in some parts of the Middle East, they practice hiding the treasure boxes in the ground. And when they need money for food or for necessities of life, they wait until it's nighttime when nobody's watching. And they go out there quietly without drawing any attention. And they dig for the box. They get it out, take a piece of jewelry. And then they go bury it back and go the next day to the marketplace, sell that piece of jewelry, get some money, buy the food. Everything is done quietly. But what often happened in the East also is that so many people have buried their boxes and then they failed to tell their next of kin. <laughs> and the boxes just stayed there in the fields. Don't try looking for them. The Turks got them all. 
Consequently, the ancient Palestine was really littered with boxes of treasures. And as many of you know, Palestine had been a battleground for hundreds of years of invading armies coming from all over the place. And because people were afraid that the enemies come in looking for their treasures, so they buried them. They buried them in the ground. What Jesus was talking about is something they understood. They comprehended immediately what he's talking about. It is a common occurrence. Many people, of course, who hid those things and got away and then died. And those things are forgotten. And the rabbis had a very simple approach to this. They had a very simple rule, an ethical rule about it. About buying a land, finding a box in it full of treasures. Very simple. Two words. Find us keepers. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the point of this parable? It's very clear and it is this. That there are some people who stumble over the grace of God. And they take hold of it. With all of their might and all their power. They take this priceless treasure and make it to be their all. There are some people who might not be searching and looking like the second parable. The man was looking for the truth. But they're people going about their business. And then they come. They're confronted with the love of God. They're confronted with the forgiveness of God on the cross of Jesus Christ. And then they came and take hold of it with all their might. Ready to give up everything in order to keep their priorities straight. There are some people like the Apostle Paul who are going about doing what they're paid to do. The Apostle Paul was paid to go to Damascus and find the Christians and destroy them. And right there as he was going about his business he confronts the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden he sees the truth. And as we read from the Philippians everything becomes nothing in the light of Of finding that great treasure. These people commit their life. And consecrate their possessions. In order that they may be. At the very center. Of the will of God. What about you? Does this speak for you? Does this describe you? And the second parable. Very similar to the first one. But there's one difference. The merchant. Is not like the farmer. He was not going about his business as usual. He was searching. He was looking. He was looking for the kingdom. He was searching for the truth. He was not contented with second rate answers. He was not satisfied with second best in life. He was not fulfilled with humanistic and partial truth. He was diligently seeking. He was looking for the truth. And when he comes upon the one and only most valuable pearls of all, he embraces it with all his heart. Everything else doesn't mean anything. Everything else can go. But this one thing he will not let go. When he or she discover the truth, they give up all of their search. They give up all of their Eastern mysticism. They give up all their good works. They give up all of their partial truth. They give up worshiping material possessions. They give up seeking after pleasures. Why? Because they found the one and only worthwhile thing in life to have. Namely Jesus Christ. He is the pearl of great price. You know, pearls were most highly prized back then. Far more than than it is now, today. 
Diving for pearl back then was hazardous. Many people lost their lives. and Many people ruined their health trying to dive for the oyster to bring out that one oyster that contains that rare and beautiful pearl. It was a risky business. And both the beauty and the scarcity made that pearl to be very valuable indeed. In fact, the Jewish Talmud talks and speaks about this pearl that is beyond price. The ancient Egyptians and the Romans worshipped pearls. It was reportedly that the wife of Roman Emperor Caligula often wore her vast fortune of pearls on her head and her ears and her neck and and her wrists and, and her fingers. Cleopatra, as some of you have studied in school, had two very, very precious pearls. Each of them would be equivalent to millions of dollars today. And when she was trying to impress Mark Anthony with her wealth, she took one of those pearls and dropped it in vinegar and drank it right in front of him. Didn't do her a bit of good. He wasn't impressed. And the pearl was the only gem. Listen carefully, please. This is very important. The pearl is the only gem that is produced from a living organism. It's the only one. Not diamond, nothing else. It is the only gem. And the pearl becomes so precious because of the suffering and the injury that has occurred inside that oyster. A grain of sand that gets within that shell of oyster and through the grinding and and through the pain and through the agony it becomes preciously beautiful. And it was on Calvary's criminal cross that the only perfect man that have ever lived bled and died. So that he and he alone become the most precious pearl of all. So what is the point of these two stories? The point is this. That the salvation of your soul is the most important and precious thing in life. That the salvation of souls and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation is the most important issue in life. Nothing else come anywhere near it for importance. All the important things in which you bury your life and work hard for and sweat blood, not half as important as the salvation of your soul. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us that we have this treasure in earthenware. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 3, 8, that it is an unsearchable riches. And Jesus Christ is no ordinary treasure. The Bible tells us that he is the precious stone, that he is the stone that is cut out of the mountain, that he is the stone that is cut not without hand, that he is the stone of Israel, that he is the stone of stumbling, that he is the stone that the builders have rejected, that he is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is no ordinary pearl. You know, there are so many people and so many Christian organizations. They're going around promoting the gospel. Just take Jesus along, please. And just add him to your list of priority. Just make yourself to be a Christian. You this and you this and you the other thing. Just being a Christian on top of that. Just add him. That is not what the Bible said. That is not what the scripture said. That Jesus is it. You don't add him to anything. If you have to lose everything, lose it for his sake. He said, if you have to be maimed and enter into the kingdom of God, be maimed for it. 
He is the one. This is the most important issue in life. You don't just add Jesus to your list of social engagement. You don't just add Jesus to the list of who you are. No. He is the pearl of great price. Because in Him and Him alone, you're able to find rest from guilt of sin, which you can never find in material possession. Because in Him and in Him alone, you are able to have the peace of mind and the inner contentment, which you can never find in things. In Him and in Him alone, you can find security. Not financial security that people talk about, but His eternal security that really counts. And it comes with an eternal life guaranteed. Without Him, a person may have had all the precious stones in the world, but spiritually eating husk and clothed in rags. And until they find the real treasure, the pearl of great price, they are the poorest of the poor. I thank God for the men and women I know in this place who have placed Jesus above everything else. And when I think of them, I think of a man of yesteryear by the name of John Wanamaker. He was a very successful businessman at the end of the 19th century in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he had many department stores. And on top of this, the president asked him to serve as the postmaster general. And yet he often said, he said, my number one priority in life is being the Sunday school superintendent of what was then the largest Sunday school in the world, Bethany Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And people often asked him, people often puzzled. And they said to him, Mr. Wanamaker, how do you spend so much time in ministry? How can you do that with all the department stores that you oversee and all the responsibility that is added to you? How can you? And here's his response, and I'm going to read it to you. He said, early in my life, I read the words of the precious Lord when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He said, Sunday school is my business, and all the rest is just things. 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 Is this your attitude? Is this where you are? Want to make a found the real treasure. He found the pearl of great price. He made it to be his overall consuming purpose in life. He made the kingdom to become his passion. He made the kingdom to become his preoccupation. The kingdom was of great value than anything else in the world that he may have had. The kingdom was his highest priority and higher than all that is going on in his life. Does this describe you? As I was reflecting upon this parable and I thought, you know, Earthly wealth and precious stones and jewelry needed to be protected and guarded because it could be stolen. Money could be lost. But you know, this is the one treasure you could never lose. This is the one great pearl of great price that you could never lose because it is guaranteed by the blood of Jesus Christ himself. 
Those who have discovered the treasure and the great pearl of great price, they dwell high above the enemy's reach. They eat the hidden manna and they feed upon the bread of life. They are closed with the rich robe of Christ's righteousness. They live on the promises of God and they walk in the richness of faith. Amen belongs here. You know, today there's so much talk about self-esteem and self-worth. There's so much talk about values. You know, and the thing that drives me out of my mind more than anything else is this, the power of the human spirit. What is this? I don't even know what that is. Power of the human spirit. And yet there's just so much hunger. All it means to me is saying... And I tell you, I don't, I'm not doing this in mockery. I'm doing, doing it with heartbroken because all it's doing is telling me that people are hungering and thirsting for significance. And all of these things that they're going after, they can never achieve, they can never obtain. They are mirages. Because only when you find that treasure, only when you find the pearl of great price, only then will you be able to walk as if you own the world because your daddy does. <laughs> all that talk about self-esteem and self-worth and all of the rest of it and finding significance. and They're just like an inflated balloon. It looks all right from the outside until it's burst. And there's nothing but air. Please hear me right. In my own heart of heart, I know, and this is what we endeavor to teach our children, that my self-esteem does not come from my achievements. It comes from the treasure and the pearl of great price. My self-image does not come from who my father was, but who my heavenly daddy is. My assurance of heaven does not come from my efforts and my meager hard work and and good work. No, but they come from the treasure himself. The pearl of great price. Do you know him? Have you discovered the treasure and the pearl of great price? You might be a churchman and you be a person who is searching and seeking. And today the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And saying, I am the one that can satisfy your deepest hunger. In fact, that is why you see the Apostle Paul, a man who achieved, humanly speaking, as much as anybody in his day. And he could say that all of my achievements, all of my worldly accomplishments, I consider them to be rubbish in comparison to the great treasure and the pearl of great price. When you have the pearl of great price... The world is going to see the difference in your life. And they're going to ask, why are you different? Only when you get tempted to live the same way everybody else lives. You value things the way they do. You think the way they do. And that's the temptation from the enemy for the people of God in these last days. To just look like everybody else. Live like everybody else. Do what everybody else does. Many years ago, a story is told about a group of men who were panning for gold in Montana. One of them found an unusual stone, and so he broke it, and as it opened up, he was ecstatic when he found gold right inside that stone, and told the rest, and, and the men working diligently, they soon discovered lots of that precious metal, 
happily they began shouting with delight. We found it. We found it. We found gold. Now we're rich. But then they had to interrupt their celebration and, and go into a nearby town to stock up on supplies. And before they left the camp, they made a pact not to tell a soul about their finding. Sometimes I feel that many Christians are doing that. They have found the great treasure, the pearl of great price. And somehow, just well, let's keep it a secret. Let's keep it to ourselves. And these men vowed to each other they will never breathe a word to anybody in the town. So they went to that nearby town and bought their supply. And to their utter amazement, as they were leaving to go back to the mines, hundreds of men were following them. So they stopped and asked him, who squealed? And came the reply, no one had to. Your faces showed it. Your faces show it. What does your face show? The joy of the Lord? Or sad and sour? As if you've been baptized in lemon juice and washed in vinegar? Do you exhibit the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, you're constantly complaining about this and that and the other thing. Because when you have discovered that hidden treasure, when you find the pearl of great price, no one will be able to get you to hide your joy. No one will be able to take it away from you. No one can take away from you your newfound identity in Christ. Simply because the hidden treasure enriches your soul. Because that spiritual treasure is incorruptible because the pearl of great price comes with eternal guarantee. And in all candor, my precious friends, I want to tell you that you and I get into trouble when we forget about the treasure and then begin to live our lives like spiritual paupers. I want to make... A comment here about interpretation of this parable. I think it's appropriate and proper. There are some commentators who interpret this parable to mean that the believer is the treasure. And the pearl of great price. And that when the Lord Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. He came to seek that precious treasure that seek the lost. Jesus is the one, they say, who gave up all the glories of heaven. In order that he might find the precious jewels, his body, the believers. Make no mistake about it, we are precious in God's sight. That is biblical and that is scriptural. And you can take it either way. It doesn't make any difference to me. Because in the Christian faith you win either way. Heads you win, tails you win. (laughs) He is precious, you are precious. But I want to tell you my personal preference. And I believe it's consistent with all the passages of Matthew. Is that I would rather focus on his preciousness. As I was putting these words together. I thought of something I've heard years ago. About Francis Havergale. Who wrote the famous hymn. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord for thee. She wrote that hymn in 1874. But the second stanza was not written until four years later in 1878. 
And the second stanza goes like this. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite will I withhold. Now there's a story behind this second stanza. After Francis wrote that hymn, she had a magnificent collection of exquisite jewelry. Most of it was inherited. And one day, as she's been praying, every time she prayed, after she wrote that hymn, the Lord brought her under conviction with her own words that she wrote. Here's the conviction that the Lord has brought to her heart. He said, you know that box of exquisite collection of jewelry? That can be translated into saving of lost souls throughout the world. And it took her four years. But finally, when she came into the point of obedience in her life, she took hold of that box. She kept two or three pieces of sentimental values, value to her, and wrote a check for the amount that these two or three pieces that she kept represented. And then she took the check and the box to CMS, or Church Missionary Society, as the Anglican mission that is single-handedly responsible for taking the gospel to Africa and many other parts of the world. And she handed them the box. And then truly she could come home and sing, Take my silver and my gold, not a mite will I withhold. She told her friends later, she said, I don't need to tell you that I have never packed a box with such pleasure. She could truly write and sing the words that God inspired her to write. Is it a surprise that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. Is it really a surprise? What earthly value do you place upon the precious treasure, the pearl of great price, the Lord Jesus? Jesus said that when you find the pearl of great price, the man gave up everything. Nothing became important anymore. Nothing becomes significant anymore. What does the treasure mean to you? What does the pearl of great price mean to you? Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.